I'm Valeria Gras, and you are listening to Textures. Texture is a podcast about art, design, and entrepreneurship. In each episode, I chat with artists, designers, creators, and innovators, the people who add textures to our world. In each episode, you will meet with creative minds, discover their world, their work, and how they made it happen. Texture is an informal and open conversation about living and leading a creative life. Today, I'm meeting with Anne-Marie Oricio, a Finnish artist with an unexpected creative journey. Anne-Marie has worked on everything from residential, commercial finishes to huge Broadway production set. Yeah, Broadway, you heard that. As you will learn, Anne-Marie started as an artist at a very early age and has finally found her true heart here in New Orleans. Anne-Marie and I collaborated on several projects together and I know you will love what she has to say. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thank you for having me here in your studio. Thank you for coming to visit me. Always a pleasure. I think it's like a mystery, treasure, incredible things going <laughs> on there. I just want to know more. It's a little bit like the mad scientist lab, I think. Looks like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Anne-Marie, tell us about um, how you started in this field of being a creative artist and an artist. Mm. Well, the only thing I've ever done is make art. I don't actually know how to do anything else. <laughs> so you had no choice. I had no choice. I started when I was two, maybe one. I destroyed my parents' apartment in Queens, New York. I drew all over the kitchen cabinets, the walls, and the floor, and it was so bad that they had to move. Hmm. So they took away my crayons, and I think it was my fourth birthday, so two years later, they gave me a box of Crayola 64 colors, I went up to my bedroom, and one at a time, with all 64 colors, I made a giant spiral on my wall. You did it again? I did it again in their new house. Oh. So at that point, they just said, well, I guess this is what she does. And they were incredibly supportive. I will say that my parents, my entire life, supported me in my artistic endeavors and education And they really sought out every avenue and opportunity for me to be an artist. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think I was lucky to grow up uh, in and around New York City. And there was a lot of programs that were available to, you know, kids and young adults. And I studied art outside of regular school, probably since I was in the fifth grade. Um, so what medium did you start to use? Um, I started, you know, with drawing and painting. And um, I remember, actually, <laughs> I 
my mom thought, okay, you know, she had sort of exhausted the after-school programs and the, you know, things for regular kids and realized I needed to be challenged more. And so she signed me up at the Art Students League in Manhattan, and I was only 13. And I took the train by myself, and I went to my class at the Art Students League, and all of these adults were looking at this midget child at 13, like, why are you here? And I was... It was a life drawing and painting class, and it made me nervous, and I didn't like looking at the naked lady, and so I kept coming home with still life paintings, and my mom was like, I thought this was figure, figure study class, and I was like, oh, you know, it's optional. You could paint the still life in the corner, and then I finally, you know, got the nerve up, like, toward the last class and did, look a, draw- it up. did a drawing of the naked lady. I'm like, this is it. Away we go. So I started really young with sort of traditional study. Um, But again, I think because living in New York City, I had the access to those types of things. Yeah, and so after high school, you went to college in... uh, I mean, I don't remember where you went. Can you just I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. And uh, I was actually a double major. Um, I was a painting and sculpture major. And uh, I really thought I, my passion was a lot more with sculpture. Um, and so I studied welding and clay and fiberglass and uh, did casting and foundry work and all of that. But then I was also painting. And at some point, the painting sort of won over the sculpture. Um, And then, you know, I was about to graduate, and my parents, who had been, you know, complete supporters and champions and sending me to all these different programs, and uh, all of a sudden dropped the bomb. So, you know, you have to get a job now. And I was like, "Uh, okay, I can get a job. Um, so I made a list of all the things that I had done because I had done weird, odd jobs while I was in college. Um, I had done some murals. I worked for a prop company, painting props and set pieces. Uh, worked for an event company where I was also painting stuff for them. So I kind of made a list of all the things I had done to make money. And I said, okay, and, you know, because I'm older now, uh, this was before the internet while I was in college. So I remember that time. Y- you remember before the <laughs> yes. internet? Yes. So I went to the library. I knew I was going to move back to New York when I was finished with school. And I went to the library and I took out phone books for Manhattan. And I looked up mural <laughs> company and I found a couple. And then I thought, you know, wait a minute. What about I could paint sets for, the, like, the theater? Because you did that when you were had some little job on the side. Well, kind of. Like, you know, I just I figured, well, theater's huge in New York. I could, I could, that's got to be a job. So then I looked that up, and I pretty much called everybody out of the phone book, and I made appointments, and before, that was it. So, so how did you do at that time? You come with a book? You just say, I can't no, do anything? I, because you, you can know, do anything. I, I, I think at the time I had, you know, my fine art portfolio. And, I mean, I was 
what, 21, you know, and I just went around and, you know, I can, I can talk my, I can sell myself, I can sell myself. So, you know, I had my fine art portfolio and I said, I've done these other things and probably made them sound like more than what they were at the time. And I got my foot in the door of some... So we're in Broadway? Uh, no, well, let's back up. Off, yeah. off Broadway. Um, there's different scenery shops. And I made my rounds of the non-union scenery shops in New York. And I ended up uh, becoming, you know, full-time at one large shop. And we did off-Broadway shows... Um, a lot of cable television network stuff, um, you know, that was really growing at that time, MSNBC, CNBC, uh, the Food Network, all of these were the beginnings of that industry, and so I, I worked at a very large-scale fabrication shop that built the sets And so you have an um, artistic director that designed the whole concept and just hand it to you guys, and then you have to come up with solution, proposal? How does it work? Uh, yeah, so there's exactly, there's a design team, and they come up with the concept sketches of the environment, and they bring it to a fabrication shop. Theatrical fabrication shops build the sets. They have a carpentry division, and then they have a paint division, and the painters do all the faux finishes that are on scenery. So when you watch, you know, if you're in the theater and you're watching a production, it could look like the inside of a house, or it could look like the exterior of a street, or you have the backdrops. That's a whole other thing. So you have hard scenery, and then you have traditional backdrops so I'm I actually learned all of it and, and so you learn when you with your first job or you learn yeah. at your school no no I learned by doing you know I'm, I'm a big believer in being thrown into the fire sink or swim you know I do too <laughs> and um so I you know I learned from a lot of really amazing people over the years and had some incredible mentors and I ended up being the head of the paint department at that shop in Brooklyn. Um, then I moved on to the union. And in so what's the difference? Well, the union is very specialized, and it's, uh, you can't just join. You have, to, uh, you have to have had a certain amount of experience in the field, um, pass some exams, portfolio reviews, things like that. And now you're, now you're painting for Broadway, Now you're painting major films. Now you're painting major television. So um, I am still in the Scenic Artists Union. Uh, I occasionally still will do a project. I've done, I don't know how many films, episodic television, Broadway productions, touring Broadway shows, on Broadway shows, major motion pictures, episodic shows for uh, regular network and cable networks, HBO. And so when the artistic director of a designer comes to you, do you have some freedom? I mean, because you can have an idea of, you know, the artistic director can have an idea of what they want to do, but without knowing the techniques, so not maybe having um, the I right think answer. It, you know, I think in that industry, the, the designers are, they have 
a very different knowledge of what's possible because there is a certain craft of scenic artistry that um, they know what's possible. And so this is a, unlike the real world, you can dream bigger and bolder. And so they can really stretch their imagination and they expect their artists to do what they envision. And sometimes it's very straightforward and sometimes it's, it's a communication dance between the artists and the designers and pushing the envelopes or the artist saying, well, you know, this is what's possible. We could go here. Um, but a lot of times the design is very laid out and, you know, they know exactly what they want and they rely on their artists to bring it to the next level, basically. Speaking of medium, you work on so many different uh, alternative options like wood or um, sheetrock or steel foam. It's endless. It's endless, yeah. So, you know, at this point in my career, um, you know, I moved to New Orleans four years ago. And when I made that move, I made the decision to stop working in production, meaning film, television. Too demanding? It was what, at some it, point? It's an extremely, extremely demanding uh, career. Um, the hours are intense. The, the workload is intense. And I, after 23 years at that point, I think, I, you know, I, it had just been enough for me. And during that whole time, I was also doing projects that were either commercial environment, like restaurants or hotel things that wanted decorative painting or residential projects. I, I always did some of that along the way. But the dominating part of my career was being a scenic artist for production work. And it was just too much. And so I moved to New Orleans and said, I am done with that. And I'm just going to focus on being an artisan for residential and commercial spaces. No more film, TV, theater, it, it, too much. So what I guess I brought with me from my life in production is exactly what you were saying about all these materials, is that in all those years, I've painted on everything. Everything from floors fabrics, walls, cardboard, concrete, trucks, trains, cars, rugs. rugs. I, I mean, there's really, honestly, like, oh, I can't really think of anything that I haven't painted on. And I think that's something that separates me from a lot of people in just decorative painting arena is that in, I, the scale of my productions that I've worked on are monumentally huge projects that so the scale of things don't don't bother me and oh, neither, afraid you they're not I, yeah I and and somebody saying well you know can we do this well sure we can do anything because I that's what I've built my whole life on Yeah, just like uh, you just completed a project in a staircase 25 feet high, if I recall well. 
Yeah, at uh, least at least at that, least yeah. a big scenery. I think it was thirty actually. Thirty. Thirty feet from the ground floor to the top of the. I mean, floor. this is breathtaking. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely, where do you start? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I um, I think I've just always had a certain ability to look at a project, whatever it is, and break it down into smaller parts. And all of this to me is just a process of getting from point A to point B. And that's a wavy line. It's not a straight line. It's a wavy line. But I think, you know, especially at this point, after having learned the methodologies of so many things like start to finish of a backdrop, uh, start to finish of large-scale murals, start to finish of, you know, layered faux finishes. Everything has steps. And I don't look at something and say, my God, I don't know how to start. I just... I'm sure, I'm sure you do know how to start, but it's yeah. like intriguing for regular people like us, you know. It's um, overwhelming. I would be overwhelmed. And I mean, of course, it's your job, but I remember for this particular job, you did a lot of personal painting because you're not you're not only a Finnish artist or a mural artist. Right. You really also work on your own art, and I think yes. that was kind of a transfer of what you were doing for yourself as an artist, transferred to yes. this project. I think always working in my studio on my own paintings. Um, my personal work, I wish could happen all the time, but the demands of my sort of work life, it can be exhausting. And so it takes time away from my studio life. But the two things always inform each other. It's very true. And that's very important to me. Um, because, like I said, my whole life, I have been a fine artist. And so whether it's subject or techniques or color palettes, I feel like all of all of that comes into all the things that I do. And vice versa. I mean, there's been a lot of elements of processes that I've learned from faux painting and decorative finishing or scenic artist artistry that has made its way into my personal artwork. So it's it's a back and forth conversation. Yeah, and usually when we think about creative um, Finnish artists, we think more about techniques, people who are less creative and more mm -hmm. technique, right. which is definitely not the case for you. And, no. you know, you and I work together and we come with ideas and just hand it to you and just you make it happen. So you have to be not only an executant, you have to be like a real creative mind. I like problem solving. You do. I really I, that's do. That's true. I really like problem solving. Um, and I like being presented with uh, a challenge. And you have all sort of uh, tricky... Uh, you, you, you have your tricks out of your sleeve and you say, oh, yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I have... I, I've always sort of... <laughs> I've always been a little bit of a MacGyver with my own materials And again, I have worked with and alongside 
so many wonderful artists my whole life that that we share all that we you know I I I was working on a set uh in New York and it was uh it was supposed to look like a an abandoned concrete factory you know with the old factory windows and peeling paint and you know just cruddy cruddy and uh a really, really cool guy, Jim, that I worked with. We had to do all this crusty, rusty stuff on this old water pipe kind of thing. And he literally went to the craft service table and got some barbecue potato chips and smashed them up and mixed it into his paint, and it made the perfect texture of crusty rust to put on this pipe. And I just think that always working with people that think outside the box you start putting some of those tricks in your own tool bag and then you share your tricks and everybody's tool bag grows and I mean that's the fun stuff that's the fun stuff and I've always been a product junkie you know I love finding new products I like you know what is it what is this thing going to promise me you know it's like skincare and women you know like I am a sucker for you swear that this $50 cream is going to take 10 years off I'm, I'm all right I'll buy I'll buy it you know and then I'll take it home and if it works miracles great and if it doesn't I know why and so the products that I use is because I'm always I'm always looking for a new one that has chemical makeups that I know can do certain things and I test them and some I hate and some I love and I know why I love them now there is um throughout your career did you see a trend coming back for murals for uh for finish or because there is trends in interior design whether it's commercial or residential yeah. there is a big comeback with wallpaper which is a total different story right so do you see a big comeback right now or you know i um i do see certain things that come and go like you're saying and um for there's definitely always a certain aesthetic that seems relevant with decorative and faux work And I think what's really nice to see right now is that there is more of an educated client that expects a better level of finishing. Because there was a while that, you know, the 80s and 90s had some pretty bad-looking stuff happening. Um, and now I think people are really appreciative of good materials, real plasters, um, faux finishes that are really, really well done, you know, not, not cheesy. Yeah. And, and you, you did a, you completed a beautiful, very large scale project here in the city with a hotel, Peter and Paul where you really express a lot of your um, skills. Yeah, that was an amazing project to be presented with because um, they did have so many elements that they wanted. They wanted hand-painted lettering and signage all over the hotel. They wanted uh, 
trompe-l'oeil. They wanted theatrical painting. They wanted faux marbles. Like, they were, the list was so extensive and touched on so many things that I do, that I can do. And um, it was... It was a great opportunity, and I think it 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 has a unique quality to it as a hotel, for sure. And it's a very beautifully designed space, and I'm proud to have been a part of bringing that kind of uh, environment to New Orleans. It, yeah. It's really standing out as a very unique place. It is, and you know, it's using a really traditional, like faux marble. Very traditional. Like in yes. 2019, people are not really oriented towards faux marble. But I it don't know. I'm doing a lot of I'm doing a lot of faux marble these days. See, interesting. Yeah, I do quite a bit of it. I really do. I, but again, we're in New Orleans, and I think that this city has an aesthetic that desires these finishes. I when I lived in Denver, Colorado. Nobody wanted faux marble. I didn't... That was not in... The vocabulary of a city. You know, it, no, it was not the vocabulary of that city. Did a lot of uh, natural clay finishes and plasters and layered paints, crackles. There was just a, a more natural vibe to the decorative stuff that people wanted in their homes. And here in New Orleans, there's a huge tradition of faux painting. And so people are not afraid of that. Yeah, so the beautiful project of uh, Peter and Paul uh, in the Marini uh, gave you a lot of exposure. It did, it did. And, you know, it was moving to New Orleans four years ago, it was very hard to move here as an outsider. Um and find my way and get accepted into the community. Um, and I was starting to do, you know, decent-sized projects. Um, it, was, it was a real, it was really hard. I mean, I, had, I, I moved here having had this huge, massive, thriving career, and I, it kind of came to a grinding halt in a lot of ways. Um, And I knew that I just needed to keep going, keep going, keep going. And let people, because the more people see, the more the word spreads. And I mean, that's just the way it is. And doing something like a hotel, well, that's a good way to, you know, say, hey, here I am. And I think, like you said, having so many different elements and types of finishes in the hotel. You, you work about uh, over a year. No. No? No. No, I'm wrong. Okay. No, I think. We were there a total of about five months. Oh, half year. Yeah, yeah. It was about four, four and a half, five months. So part of your work, it's uh, very challenging because you can have people who can assist you in some point, but not much. I mean, everything is in your hand. Yeah, there's a, there are some things that I, 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 I do have a team of, of other artisans that I hire, and they're all wonderful. Um, and there are a lot of things that take a team. But then there are things that are really just about me in the end. And a lot of the, the mural work, um, a lot of the really high-end faux stuff um, kind of boils down to just me. And so you put your... I mean, I saw you walking. Um, you put your headphone. Yeah. And just... 
Yeah, I zone out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I um you know I I have run crews of artists of, uh, up to, you know, 25 30 people on a job site. Um and I I don't want to do that anymore. It's too much. So now I keep my team small. Um four four or five people at most. You know, we're doing Emerald's restaurant right now, just wrapping that up. And there's been five of us over there doing that. And that's all traditional marmarino plaster. And so that that's where taking, you know, a group of people, you need a group of people to do that. Um, but when I did that large landscape mural that went up 30 feet, it, that was just me by myself every day for a month. Put my headphones on and just get lost in my painting. And that's a beautiful thing when I can do that. What do you love the most in your work, in your job? That it's never the same. I, you know, if I had to go do the same thing every day, I would lose my mind. Um, I love always having something new in front of me. I like moving around. I love the fact that I'm always in a different place. I'm, I'm all over the city, so I'm, I'm exposed to all the different people all over town, all different parts of town, and I, I really love that part of it, even though sometimes it's a pain in the neck packing up all your stuff and dragging it across town and all of that. But um, I love my clients and building a relationship with them Because, again, I think, you know, nobody needs what I do. It's a luxury. It's a luxury in whichever way you look at it. And so I want them to have a sense of feeling like this is made for them. That's what this is. You know, whether it's a finish, a decorative finish, or a faux finish, or a mural, it, it's all the same. I, I want people to realize that this is you know, a special thing. I like that element. And I think, you know, when you work with, directly with clients, of course you have a direct collaboration with them, but when you have architect or interior designer, mm -hmm. it's a really a freeway um, collaboration with Yeah, them. yes. And you need people who really trust you, and you can only work with people who can trust you. Yes, yes. And, and the dialogue is imperative from the beginning that everybody is communicating about what all these ideas are and then you know making samples so that we can see okay this is the direction it's going to go but then once i get in there away we go and you gotta you gotta let go you gotta trust and some and i always warn people you know in a lot of in a lot of finishes there's an ugly stage There's, a, there's an inevitable ugly stage where it looks crazy, it looks ugly, and that's because it's, you're looking at, it's like if you peel layers of an onion, okay? Every finish has layers, like an onion. Maybe one of those layers is kind of ugly in the middle, but you, you, can't, you can't judge it by that. You've got to wait till all the other layers get on top of it. So there's, that's when the trust comes in. Okay, I trust that this really ugly thing is not staying, that this is only part of it, and it's going to go away, and it does. 
So you will say after four years here in New Orleans, you're a good place now? I'm in, I Yes, I, now I'm in a good place. And I feel like I can breathe and I'm just being me again. That This is it. I, you know, I did crack up and I, uh, I questioned everything about a year and a half after I moved to New Orleans. My God, what have I done? Maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is a sign that it's time for me to do something else. And I went and got a real estate license. What, what did you do that? Well, we, what happened? I, well, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't connecting into the community with designers and clients directly. I, I, just, I was really struggling. And I thought, maybe this is a sign. I never had struggled with that. And I thought, well, you know, I've never done anything else. Maybe this is, I should learn how to do something else. And I went and got a real estate license. And I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. And... Um, So I, I was a real estate agent for about six weeks. And uh, I went to the group that I was with. They had a, a meeting, you know, a whole you know, group meeting. And we had to discuss our, our, our goals, financial goals, growth goals, all of the goals for the next year as real estate agents. And I, I'm going through this whole thing in the... And I just had a meltdown. I said, if I'm going to do all this, if I'm going to do all this, I'm going I'm to do this for myself and go back to painting. This is insane. I don't want this. I don't, I don't even like wearing these clean clothes. Like, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Like, it was yeah, just... Yeah, if you see Anne-Marie with clean shoes, is because that day she doesn't paint. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. I have clean shoes if I'm not painting. Or if I'm trying to tell myself I'm not painting, which is what's going on today. I'm pretending that I'm not working, even though I have to make samples. But I figure if I wear clean shoes, then it doesn't, I don't feel like I'm at work. <laughs> so it's a lie that I'm telling myself today. But that's okay. So what happened? Um, how finally, I mean, you had a meltdown, and finally you had a couple of good projects, and that just put you back on track and say... Yes. This is who I am. Yes. Well, I think it was just a real eye-opening experience of being put in a situation where, where you know, here, here are these other professionals and they're putting forward all of this work into building their careers as realtors. And, and it's like, well, if I'm going to, wait a minute, maybe I haven't put enough. Of my, I think it was the realization that, If I applied all these things that they're talking about into Your my own. own work, then I don't have to worry about this real estate crap. I can just keep painting. And that's what I did. And it worked. And my, I still talk to the woman who was the broker of that agency. And she said the best thing I ever did was quit being a realtor, <laughs> which is kind of awesome. Um, She saw it. She's, you know, she took a chance on me, but she, I think she saw from, I mean, I literally had to go buy like real estate agent lady clothes because I, I don't have that stuff, you know, and I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like that. So you love challenges. Uh, what's your next challenge? Well, um, I have several projects on the books right now. Um, I'm making some samples today. Project's not confirmed, so I'm not going to jinx it. So we're going to, but it's very cool. 
and I hope it happens. So that that gave nothing away. So you so. go into your studio. So, when so I you go do in your... my studio, the mad scientist, and make sample boards. And that you know that that way the client can review and say, okay, yes, this is the direction we want to go in. Um, we're just finishing emeralds on Chapatulis, and then I go into back into some residential stuff, um, doing uh, some a loft down in the CBD, doing a lot of faux bricks. And then I have a kitchen um, in Old Metairie. We're redoing all the cabinetry so that it's, I guess it's, you know, dark wood and we're going to lighten it all up and glaze it and distress it and do some gilding. um, Make it fancy and pretty and light and bright. Um, Then I have another hotel project coming up in the winter more plaster projects. Uh, I believe I have a really amazing project coming up with you. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm very excited about that Me project. Too. Because that's where the creative stuff comes in. Um, combining the, all these things that we're talking about. We're going to do some traditional Italian plaster, but then some mural work on top of it, using traditional fresco paints so that it becomes good and hard and one with the surface like all those amazing Italian frescoes with amazing trusting client that we love yes with an amazing trusting client that we love who you know I think that that's always the key is that we all as artists and creative thinkers can come up with amazing things I mean if the world was ours to decorate it would be completely amazing but it's about finding a client that is going to willing to take a risk to work with you and I and um, yes yeah yeah well thank you Anne-Marie that's awesome I was so happy to have this discussion with you and wow thank you for listening to my crazy tale Well, love it. (laughs) Okay. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Textures. And thank you to Anne-Marie Horicio for joining me. If you want to learn more about Anne-Marie and her work, visit her website at amdecorativefinishes.com and her Instagram at amcreativefinishes.com. If you like this episode, follow us on Instagram at textures.podcast. You can also find our webpage at valerielegras.com slash podcast. And do not hesitate to share it with your friend. Help support our creative community. Thank you for listening. A bientôt.